Good morning and welcome to Living Better in San Diego, a public service presentation of the Intercom San Diego radio stations. I'm Susan DeVincent with Avon Ermi, and today we're talking about African-American art right here in San Diego. Today we have Gaiety Finney, Executive Director of the San Diego African-American Museum of Fine Arts, and Marugi Kenyatta, founder of Kazana, a women's empowerment platform that works to amplify the work of unsung Kenyan women. Welcome. Hello there. Thank you. Gaiety, let's start with the San Diego African-American Museum of Fine Arts. It's known as a museum without walls. Now, what does that actually mean? Well, you know, this museum has been around for quite a while. It started by uh, was started by Shirley Day Williams some years ago, and it's always been without walls. And what that means is you collaborate with other places or find other spaces to put your work on. Our focus and vision is with the fine arts, where we started out doing things in, in a church. Actually, our first exhibit when we re- revived the museum was at Bayview Baptist Church. But after, I wanted to bring in those exhibits that travel the world from the Smithsonian, uh, that sort of thing. Wow. In order to do that, you have to really be uh, governed by the American Associations of Museums Facilities Report, which requires uh, climate control, security, that kind of thing. Because once a thing is in a museum, it should not change. It doesn't degrade or anything like that. So as a result, we started collaborating with the other museums in town. So we've collaborated with the Menge the Veterans Museum. We've collaborated with the San Diego, uh, San Diego State Museum downtown. We've collaborated with the Contemporary Museum. We just finished with the San Diego Museum of Art. And we also have collaborated with the San Diego History Center. So all of those, wow. and still coming. There's other ones that are in place that I can't announce just yet, but we'll be doing other uh, exhibits at other museums coming up. We have some absolutely beautiful museums here in San Diego, so it's fantastic that you tap into that. Thank you. So how long has has the museum been here in San Diego? Well, um, Shirley Day Williams had started this sometime in maybe... 80s or late 80s. Mm-hmm. I was on the board when I first arrived in 93. I was on the board in 95 of the mm-hmm. African American Museum of Fine Art. And then she passed away and the museum just kind of was defunct. It was just not doing anything. And so when I started working with the pastors at Bayview Baptist Church, they have a space there. It looked like it was going to be a gym, but it never was. So it's really like an event space. And I said, man, this could be a place where we could have an exhibit. So our first exhibit was there. And it was the exhibit that surrounded the signing of the Civil Rights Movement. We worked with the Associated Press and uh, Johnson Publication, who does Ebony Magazine and that, to get the images. And they gave us licensing to to show them. So it's been around a long time uh, and will be around a long time. We are open to having a a brick and mortar space. But with that, I've I've worked at many museums who can't make their payroll or can't make their rent or it's very difficult. And you don't want to jump into that until you are secure enough in your financing to make sure you can not only be at a, a brick and mortar place, but stay there as well. Yeah, it's so much overhead costs associated with exactly, that that you know yeah, you exactly. just want to really focus on the art. You but I have it. to say, I've been on your website, and those pictures are stunning. Oh, historic nice. pictures. I mean, they're really mm-hmm. great. And I, what I love is seeing these people that we've known that are historic figures, but in very informal mm-hmm. settings. You know, it's yeah. like their own personal pictures. It's interesting you say that because one of the things that we have done is we've worked with the youth as youth docents. And especially when we had that first exhibit, we had uh, docents who were from 12 to 18 years old. And as a result, this was, this was the exhibit around the civil rights movement. And so as the young 12 or 13-year-old docents talked about these images, the older people who had experienced and lived through it would tell them about their experience. And it got to be like a circular educational thing. 
And so it really is building leadership by doing so, but it is really nice that you you did see the images and that we did focus on that kind of a good way of seeing them. I mean, they're awesome. I would strongly urge people to go on your website. What, By the way, throw that out there right now. It's uh, sdaamfa.org, San Diego African American Museum of Fine Art. Org, S-D-A-A-M-F-A. And Murugi, you are collaborating with them in, to host an art exchange between Kenyan and African-American students. So tell us about this idea and how that came about. The idea of bringing together the children, I'd like to call them the children because they are young ones, ages of 12 to 15, they're still young, together the African-Americans and Africans came about from us talking about this with uh, the director of the San Diego African American Fine Arts Museum. And I was saying how uh, we have all these children that don't know each other. They are from the same uh, background. We have the same roots. You know, they're all growing up not knowing where they come from. We don't know where you come from. You definitely don't know where you're going. It started off, I, I suggested we could do a pen pal. You know, we use the idea of the pen pal, exchange people to get to know each other. And then um, the director, her name is Caroline Smith, she su- suggested, how about we use the arts? And instead of using a, a pen, writing the letters, they could exchange art, they could do some artwork, uh, paint boxes, and then uh, exchange those boxes and, and take it from there. What a lovely idea that is. That's yeah. so great. And especially to target that age of kids, too. Yeah. Yes, yes. And and I believe that uh, this is just the beginning of um, many more things to come because uh, the kids that we are going to be working with here are part of the Jack and Jill organization. I don't know whether you're familiar with the Jack and Jill Fund organization. Uh, Jack and Jill is dedicated to nurturing the future uh, African-American leaders, strengthening children through leadership, uh, development, volunteer service, and philanthropic giving and civic duty. Uh, So these children will be connected with the children of Kenya, who are children who don't have a lot of... um, uh, let's say um, like school supplies or things yes, like that. Yes, or yeah. trappings of computers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, all the the little the things that make this world work. Sure, that we take for granted, that, right? Certainly, you know? certainly, yeah. the things that we all take for granted. So, bringing these children together will allow them to see their sisters and brothers on the other side, share what they can with the, in this technological age. There's no excuse of not knowing each other and sharing the skills and the tools and the and the. Uh, technology that you have, either virtually or, you know, or even visiting each other. So we're talking about communication through art. Mm-hmm. You know, in your exhibit, you were talking about generations communicating history, this message uh, through art, and you're going to have a, kind of like a pen pal through art. That's right. Um, why do you think that art is so powerful to deliver this? You know, art is just a microcosm of, of the world. It really is an important, important thing for me and for my museum. Uh, the vision of the museum is really to promote the arts. It really does give you a, a grounding, uh, your culture. We have a very rich culture. And the thing is, is that as the city of San Diego changes, meaning there are less and less African-American people, less and less African-American experiences, that we want to make sure that those young people who are in school can travel here 
and not go to LA or San Francisco to see fine art. And so it really is important that we um, fill that gap. So that is the reason that the arts are so important is to make sure these people have a, a vision of it, can see it, the whole community, as well as the kids can see it and experience it. So you were saying that there are less and less people in the, the black community here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And I had wondered about that because I had been to the museums in DC mm-hmm. and they're full of like this great African-American art yeah. And when I've gone to play other similar museums here in San Diego, I don't see that as much. Yes. And that really is the reason that we took this on. It's, it's one thing to complain, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or you can do something about it. So that's the reason that I decided to revive the museum was to make sure that that outlet was still here because I, I, I see that there's this gap that mm-hmm. this doesn't exist. And so especially for the finer arts, you might see, you know, you can see local stuff mm-hmm. and craftsmen and that, but for the fine arts, you normally have to travel like to DC or something to see it. So it's really important. I'm glad that you recognize that, but that's the reason that we exist is to make sure that that gap is closed. Now Marugi, you had mentioned working with kids what? 12 to 15 here. Are you putting this program out to local schools here in San Diego to participate? Or are these kids that come to the center to actually be part of this? This particular group, the first group of that we're going to be doing this pilot project with, members of the Jack and Jill organization. And so these children are children who get together and they have all sorts of programs that they do. They're young students who are being nurtured to be leaders of tomorrow. And wouldn't it be great to try to get this into local schools? I mean, I think this would be a fantastic thing and not just for for African-American children, but for all kids to learn about the history. We have worked with the uh, Jack and Jill organization a few times, and they came to us because their kids, they live, they're from North County for the most part, mm-hmm. and their kids, they have no knowledge of their history, and they're not t- being taught anything, and sometimes even being ridiculed just for, for being black. And so they came to us, they asked us, to, could we help? And so this is probably the third event that we've done with the Jack and Jill kids. It's an important organization for that reason, to bring the, this kind of information to their kids. Art is one of the programs that unfortunately gets cut a lot. So you're right. I think a lot of kids in general don't know a lot of history. But when you touch on that a lot of African-American children don't know where they come from, so they don't know where they're going, Mm -hmm. that's a very powerful statement because Mm -hmm. people need to know where they belong, where they come from. And Mm -hmm. so that gives so much self-esteem. When you think about programs like this, some people might think, oh, you know, it's an art program. like, But it really is fundamentally going to the core of someone knowing who they are. So it's really important. Certainly. And I I so believe passionately that art communicates. Art is, you know, let's think of music. Music, even if you don't know the language, you could feel the rhythm. You could Mm -hmm. feel uh, you could feel something that is speaking to you and you could find yourself moving. The same thing with the arts. What we're trying to do with these children from two different continents is to for them to find their their commonalities to discover their roots through arts and to re- discover that they really are one and they could take the, carry on on this journey, this journey called life, together. Yeah. We're we going to think of the Jack and Jill st- students having more privileges than the ones in Africa. And we shouldn't look at that as a gap. We should look at those as opportunities to bring and to bridge the gap and so that they can be able to share what they have. Mm-hmm. And when they get a chance and when they become career people or when they're looking for jobs and they're looking for, uh, for, for, for their place in the world, in this one global economy, from what we know, this is a one global economy now. When you're looking for a job, you, you're not only looking in San Diego. 
you're not only looking in the US, you're looking around the world because people are competing for the same jobs from around the world. So when we bring these African-American children to meet their brothers and sisters in Africa, they can be the ones maybe in the future who will be building the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. They will be the teachers because they won't be the unfamiliar people that they're going to deal with. They'll be going to a place that is an extension of who they are. That's what I believe. And you actually were the one that really started with Kazana bracelets. Can you tell us about that and what that means and what that program's all about? Because I, I see right now you're wearing one that's beautiful. <laughs> I noticed it immediately as she walked in the room. Like, <laughs> so Kazana bracelets is, is a vehicle, really, an online platform uh, to help amplify the work of uh, the unsung women of Kenya, who also happen to be the mothers of these children we are talking about. So they never got the opportunity to go to school. They never got the opportunity to do all the things that are happening in the world now. But they have God-given, mm. a, a God-given talent. Yeah. And the talent is beading and making gorgeous beadwork um, uh, items that you can wear as bracelets. And, you know, this is just a, an amplifying piece of jewelry. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, please, don't downplay it. It's stunning. It's beautiful. It's, it's so beautiful. With little, it's beautiful gold. Bright, that, yeah. uh, a gold bird on it? What is that? This beautiful. is a hummingbird. A hummingbird. It's so beautiful. the amplifying part of it is the hummingbird. Mm. Because uh, we use the hummingbird to help tell the story of these women. And the, for the people who get to wear this piece, you, get, you, you are amplifying their work. You're harming about the existence of these Sang women and what they are doing in the world. Their work is already renowned. They are the Maasai women of Amboseli, Kenya. And um, people know the Maasai women. The gap that exists and the, and the question that we should ask is why they are, they are unable sometimes to educate their children or they are unable to make ends meet because of the the many things that happen where they're middlemen and middlewomen. And to me, I saw this as an injustice where you go around the world and you see Maasai beadwork and Maasai items everywhere. Right. And then you go to the source and the, you discover that they are not uh, benefiting as they should from their work. It's a kind of appropriation. Correct. How can we support (laughs) them then? I mean, where can we see their work and can we purchase their bracelets? How can we support them? You know, I like to say that uh, the best way to support them, the first uh, most important way, if you can, is to travel to Kenya and meet them. And you get to know, to to meet the people who make these items and know that you're really touching the core, the root of the of the work and also helping their children. So when you're there, when you like we are sitting now, when you create friendships and bonds, you become an an ambassador for this cause. The other way to do it, if you cannot make it to Kenya, <laughs> you can go to kazanabracelets.com and you can get your bracelet and you can be able to to amplify the work of the women. And read the story probably, I and would imagine, the of, the, of the women yeah. and learn more about them. It makes the world such a smaller place, doesn't it? Certainly. certainly. <laughs> it, is, it is a wonderful thing to do. If you go on the website and you read about the story and you, you read about the, the story of the hummingbird. If you're not going to do anything else, just read the story of the hummingbird on that website and it will tell you what it is that you're wearing when you carry that story on. What does the word kazana mean? Kazana is a Swahili word that means uh, it has multiple meanings that are all related. One of them is let's make a united effort. Let's join forces. Let's stick with it. Let's, you know, uh, kazana, kazana, to kazane, to kazane. Let's, let's not give up. 
And it's a way of bringing women together and the communities that support us and the people who believe in what it is that these women are doing and encourage them. Just keep at it. Just just keep on pushing. You're like mesmerizing. <laughs> when you're, you're, I'm just like, yeah, this is true. This is real. We are on Team Kazana. <laughs> and you know, if, you, if you're interested, if you're listening and you're interested, we will have a photograph of, yes. of this beautiful bracelet and also, you know, links to the Kazana website. So you don't oh. just have to hear about it. So, you know, as you talk about this and the dream that those moms have for their children, that's the same dream any parent has for their kids. No matter where they live, no matter where they come from, we always want our children to do better than we did, to be educated. I mean, I I feel as a parent, like, that's my goal. Get my son the best education I can get him, and then off he goes. And hopefully, he's going to give back to the community. And their dream is the same dream. You know, it's so funny. Their circumstances may be different than a lot of us here in the U.S., but their dream is the same. That is so true, so, so true, that uh, when I'm sitting with the women, and I'm si- we are sitting in, in humble settings, you listen to the same the conversation, it feels like the same conversation you hear with, uh, when you speak to moms in San Diego. Mm-hmm. They all want the same thing for their children. The fact that they didn't go to school doesn't mean that they do not want that for their kids. Mm-hmm. So we sit there and they go, Murugi, what I really want from my, my child is that they accomplish everything they ever want to accomplish, to go to university, to become you know, a doctors, to become engineers, to become architects. And they use the language, the local language to explain those things. You know, not the words I'm using in English. They use a local language to explain the things that they know they would want their children to become. And to become artists. <laughs> and to become artists. We know you have to have an artistic mind in order to be able to be that creative and, uh, and make this kind of bid work. Right. So they, they visualize what's possible because yeah. of the artistic. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about art is a, is a form of communication and, and we have commonalities, but how does the African-American experience inform African-American art here? African-American art is the art of America. We are totally a part of the, the U.S., part of, of America. And so to have the African-American Museum of Fine Art really is a place of growth getting to know your culture and your history. And if you don't have any history, then you're like a tree without roots. You really need mm-hmm. to have that as a basis for who you are and who you're going to be. So it really is, a, to me, one of the most valuable experiences, and they shouldn't be cutting it out of schools, right. is to have arts and Absolutely. arts available to kids and the rest of society as well. I'm so curious to see the results of the project that you guys are going to have. Do you have an expectation of the results for what will be sent back and what's being sent out? You know, it being art, we want them to just create, to just uh, go for it. We give, they get the boxes, the pencil boxes. The, the pencil boxes will have a little note that will show the person on the other side what their name is, what they love to do, what age they are. And then the person who receives it just goes to town. So if the person says that I love um, dancing, you can paint something that brings the dancing. So it shows that you know each other. Like I see you, my I see you, my sister. I see you, my brother. (laughs) We love the same thing. Here, this is something for you. And then the other Mm -hmm. person on the other side receives the same thing in Kenya and sees their brother and sister in San Diego who wants to be a pilot or wants to be an engineer. Mm -hmm. And the person can go to town. The one in Kenya will paint what they think that looks like and capture a bit of their friend who's in San Diego. And and then from there, we want to see where it goes. We want the kids to drive the process. I love this so much. As I hear you talk about it with such passion, think about kids, especially that age group too, right? Mm -hmm. Teens, preteens. 
they're really focused on social media and all this Facebook stuff where the friends aren't really their friends and people posting stuff to try to just, you know, have an image of what their real life is like. This, I think, connects on such a fundamental level. Like you said, they really feel like they have a friend in this other person and getting to know this person in a way that social media just does not. So I got to imagine that kids that participate in this program really get so much out of it. Do they send pictures too? So this is a pilot project and it's going to be, yes, they will send pictures and there will, it, will be, uh, it will be a start. Initially, there will be no pictures as such. I'll just post a picture of me and the kids that I took when I was in Kenya. Or I'll show them so they have an idea. The, yeah. the kids in San Diego will have an idea of who they are working with but they won't know who's who <laughs> and then they will open the box and they'll imagine you know what that person loves and then later on they'll know the person and we'll want them to take it from there and just run with it okay we love this program again so much do mm-hmm. you need help in funding for all those supplies and things like that oh yes oh yes the more we can we can get support from the public there are many many children who have heard about this project and they're excited they're very excited and they want to do it but we can only start with a few because we have only have resources for a few. So if we got the support... <laughs> Where does somebody go to yeah. get more info yeah, about that? Yeah, we go straight to the website, as you mentioned, to okay. the San Diego African American Museum of Fine Arts. See, we we are international in our focus. I'm going to, to Senegal, to Art Basel, but they have it in mm-hmm. Africa every two years. So I'm wow. going there and I'm meeting with some artists as well to possibly bring exhibits back here. And this program is part of our expansion into the, the whole African and African American diaspora. What a great job you have. Okay, so you've got to like travel the world to go look for great I know. <laughs> this is all volunteer. The whole board is all volunteer. I'm really? a volunteer. No one gets paid for anything. This is all love of art. So how are you funded then? Same thing. We self-fund. We try and raise money through whatever means we can. A lot of times when we're working with other museums, a lot of times they have the means to do a lot of the things we need, like for graphics and printing and that kind of thing. But if we don't, we do it ourselves. And so it's weird our sixth year now doing this. So and you're a museum without walls, which is just correct. amazing. So again, you kind of touched on it, but you would love to have a brick and mortar building? Yeah, I mean, our board has been discussing this for a while because after, you know, you say long enough, people say, when are you going to have your own building? Yeah. And it would be nice. Um, and in fact, we have just received a donation of maybe 300 African art pieces. I have it not announced it yet because they're being condition reported. Oh, I think you just but, announced it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Whoopsie. Yeah. But once we find out their value and all that, they're museum quality pieces. What are they? They're, they're sculptures, they're masks, all kinds of African art that uh, we will be able to showcase and maybe tour around the country. Wow. But it'll be in the future. We're not ready to do anything yet until we figure out all the ins and outs and what it is now. But it was a you know interesting holiday season. For you know, Gaidi, sometimes you just need to ask for the order. So if you really want a space to call a home and put some roots down yourself, maybe, you know, maybe somebody out there has Mm. a location that they could make this incredible donation to you guys. Yes, I'm a big believer in that. I'm a big believer in that and the karma and all the stuff that we've been doing for, for, for volunteers and all that. And so we have really been discussing it a lot, trying to figure out how we could do this and sustain it. That's the main thing. That's the reason we haven't really jumped hard on it because you have to also just not have it but sustaining it. It's like you could be yeah. a millionaire but can you stay a millionaire? You right. can just like, you know, win the lottery next thing you're broke. 
So it really is important that whatever we do, we sustain it because we're going to be around for a long time. We're just getting started. Well, you have been around for a long time. Looking back at your past exhibits, are there any that, is there a past exhibit that maybe is one of your favorite or that really stood out to you? We did an event, an exhibit at the San Diego History Center a couple of years ago. And what it was, was those artists who are internationally famous, who had a lot to do in San Diego, who who really spent time in San Diego. And these are some wonderful, fantastic, internationally known artists. And that was there for four months. It was very well received. You know, they're all babies to me as, as we do these things. Like we go on and we move on to the next thing. So that was one of the favorite ones. That first one was good too, but there's a number of ones that we've done. We did one with Jonathan Green out of South Carolina. He's very well known there, big time. And he came out and we had an exhibit with the San Diego State Gallery downtown. That was really, really wonderful and attended, but they're all equally important to me. Jonathan Green, so what is that, a painter? Or? Jonathan Green is a painter. He does calendars as well. I mean, mm-hmm. people know that because you get all the, his calendars go up in value all the time. So people like last year's calendar may have been $10, this year is $30. So he's well collected, very big name in African-American art circles. And we were very fortunate that um, he decided to go. In fact, I went out there to, to, when I first went out there, he didn't think we could handle having his art here in the way it should be. And I had to convince him that we are the kind of art museum that he wanted to be associated with. So when he was here, everything we did was packed. Everything was standing room for him everywhere we went. And they were still friends of ours. And in fact, he was the one that suggested that we do the pencil block art. Oh, oh it's wow. Jonathan Great Green. Idea. This just came full circle. Yes. <laughs> so do you ever highlight local artists then too? Also, you've talked about a lot of the pieces that you have are museum quality pieces. Is anything ever available for purchase? We are not ones that have stuff for purchase in terms of arts, but we have done one uh, local art uh, exhibit. We did it at University Club. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, and so we had uh, three photographers that uh, we had there and then came uh, and we had a long discussion. It was a full house. One of them was uh, Mariki's husband, Kamal Kenyatta, who's also a photographer as well as a Grammy-winning uh, musician. Wow. Wait, what? He's got the uh, Grammy for, what's his, Gregory Porter. One of the things that we do is we give honors to those people who've kept the African-American culture alive in yes. San Diego. And we just finished our most recent Keepers of the Culture exhibit. Uh, that was at February February 8th at the San Diego History Center, where we honored those people who've kept African-American culture alive. This year, we honored uh, Common Ground Theater, which is the second oldest African-American theater in the United States. The couple of Dr. and Mrs. Robert Matthews, and they've served this community in all kinds of ways. They even started the African-American Parade. And also Starla Lewis, who was the former chairwoman of, and professor of black studies at Mesa College. In the past, I'll be quick about this, who we honored because these are big name people. Yeah. Uh, professor Chuck Ambers, who is director of the African-American History Museum. And in fact, on February 6th, he was honored by the mayor for his work. Uh, Dr. Willie Morrow, who is famous for his uh, work that he's done with hair. Harold Brown, the director of the Civil Rights Museum in San Diego State. Dahan Blevins, who was director of the Kumba Festival. Makeda Dredd, who's the founder of the World Beat Center. Uh, Manuelita Brown, the sculptor. And finally, Kamal Kenyatta, who I just mentioned. And those are the ones we've honored in the past. This was our third 
annual Keepers of the Culture. Ah, so maybe next year we can talk to you ahead of time. Right. We'll try to lock you down a little sooner. Is there anything that you want to talk about that you know is coming? As we've been talking about it, the one coming up on February 22nd is going to be at the San Diego History Center working with Marugi and the Jack and Jill organization to put on this wonderful exhibit that really expands our reach into the national realm of African American and African diaspora. I wish people could see you guys smiling and just, you know, the way that you get so excited and project yourself and your body language when you just talk about this artwork. You're very excited about it, and I think that that's kind of shown through the work that you do, the important work that you do here in San Diego. So I just want to thank you both for coming in today so much. The excitement comes from seeing the potential of this initiative, that these children might be the next generation of engineers uh, building all the other continents. They'll be the next generation of teachers. They'll be the next generation of doctors. They'll be the next generation of entrepreneurs. And so we are seeing something that, that we probably do not have an idea what it can become. Planting seeds. It is. We are planting seeds. We are planting, we are watering the roots and we are going to sit back 20, 30 years from now and say, remember this conversation that here we sat, (laughs) Yvonne, Sue, Gaidi and Morugi Uh (laughs) and look at what has happened. The young kids that started an arts project are now running the world. That's exciting. I can't wait. I just want to say follow us because we have lots of other huge exhibits coming that I'm not going to talk about yet because they have not been finalized. But we have really great things happening. And this one with Marugi is just one example of us being an outlet for and, and helping people and helping this community have the kind of things and arts that we want. Okay, so let's throw it out there real quick. Where can people find you, follow you? At the San Diego African American Museum dot org. It's so only the names S-D-A-A-M-F-A dot org is our website. We also have a Facebook and all the other social media, but that's how you'd find us. And please pay attention. We'll be doing great things. Oh, I expect so. Just by today's conversation, we're so excited to see where you go from here. Gaidi Finney, the Executive Director of the San Diego African American Museum of Fine Arts, Murugi Kenyatta. Thank you both so much. Empowering women from Kenya. I love what you're doing, and we just want to definitely support you in this. Thank you both for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode of Living Better in San Diego. If you'd like to get in touch with us, me or Sue, to drop a line or suggest a topic to talk about, email us at livingbetter at intercom.com. We'll see you next week. The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect the opinions and views of the staff and management of the Intercom San Diego radio stations. Episodes of Living Better in San Diego are available on this station's website.